Hey everybody, it's been quite some time since I <laughs> did an episode of the Extra Wide World of Willy. Um, if you're new to the podcast, I have been slowly, very slowly, trying to read through his very first book, air quotes, Mother's Day. I'm reading it just as it's typed, and it's been awful, and if you want to know how awful it is, this is my first, uh, I guess you would say, episode. Uh, it's the end of April, and the last time I <laughs> read from this piece of crap was in uh, December. So, and I'm only on chapter six. So we're gonna start with chapter six today. But I wanted to introduce a new, I guess you would say, concept here on the Extra Ride World of Willie. Um, I'm going to let you people know what's actually going on with Willie in his life right now. So let's bring up a couple of posts from this man, air quotes. Um, William Patterson writes, Damn, I lost one of my front teeth. I was eating a Subway sandwich and it came out. It was loose anyway. It feels better without it. Well, if you have seen uh, William's face, especially his teeth, um, I am not making any accusations, even though he has made accusations about me being a high school dropout, and then I proved that I wasn't by physically showing my diploma. If he, you know, he's made accusations that my buddy Jay is a meth head, a meth addict, a drug abuser, um, and Jay has denied that. Well, we're just making assumptions by what he looks. Willie definitely looks like he has meth mouth. Now, I'm not saying Willie is on meth because that motherfucker is way too fat to be suffering from meth. But I think he just doesn't brush his fucking teeth. And if you've seen what he looks like, especially when he's making that video that he claims is an homage to Sid Haig and Captain Spaulding with the fried chicken and he's eating chicken nuggets. You can just see how nasty his teeth are. Um, and one of his friends, I will not name because I don't know if they want to be a part of this, if they want to be acknowledged, but one of his friends tells Willie to get a partial. Willie responds by saying, unfortunately, I will have to pay for that. Once I lose a couple more, my med, med well, he put Medi-Cal. I think he means Medicare. I don't know. We'll pay for it. Currently, I'm having no issues eating. No shit. It's actually better now that the tooth is gone. Well, first thing I thought of was that episode of The Simpsons where Homer wants to gain 300 pounds to get on disability. It's kind of like him with teeth. And of course, you know, you can eat better now. It's actually better now that it's gone because you can shovel the food down your throat a lot easier. Will's, Willem's friend, uh, air quotes, says... I know I had to pay for mine myself, and I only had four teeth left on my upper jaw, and it was getting harder to eat and cost me 1600 for the partial. But I had to, did not have my front to, hold on, what? But I had to, did not have my two front teeth and any side teeth, so you could imagine trying to eat and the looks I got. William responds by saying, indeed, I usually eat around family and they don't count. Aww, they can just sit back and enjoy my gumming. You're fucking disgusting. Uh, anything else we have to say? Okay, a couple more things from from Willie. This one is hilarious, actually. This is this is all about him and conventions recently. Man, I get a nasty dose of reality when it comes to conventions these days. I happen to see that they are going to have an official supernatural convention in Burlingame, California which is right next to my home in San Mateo. This motherfucker is obsessed with the show Supernatural. He even once said he cried during the finale. Imagine a 
55, 56, 7 year old man, 550 pounds blubbering at the end of that show. Uh, I was elated over the news. Unfortunately, when they opened the website to get more info, I got a horrible shock and my hopes of being able to actually go to a convention after a number of years blown away. Yeah, right, like you can fit through the fucking door. The main thing that blasted my hopes was the cost. The only day the main cast members were going to appear, including my friends, and he wrote friends, Misha Collins and Felicia Day. Dude, just because you fucking met Felicia once and you tweet her and she never responds doesn't make her your fucking friend. The only day he was going to meet his friends was going to be Sunday. Such bullshit. One day for all the popular cast members. Fuck. The convention even blew up the general admission, meaning you have to pay additionally for everything. Except admission into the vendor's room. I'm surprised these fucks did put a $40 fee on entering the vendor's room. These fuckers were charging $155 for Sunday. But of course... Friday and Saturday were 125 Fuck you very much, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Shit, these assholes were even making people reserve seats for the panels for an additional $40. Pretty much anything you wanted to do cost $50 and up. Except maybe getting a picture with Baby the car, that was $20, and was sold out when I got on the website. Most photo ops were ridiculously expensive and mostly sold out. So to put it simply, my answer to this crap is fuck no. Fucking greedy bullshit. Last convention I went to, I paid $40 and it was on a Saturday. I didn't have to pay for panels or anything other than autographs and merch. That was in 2018. What the fuck, people? No one cares, William. And I think you should definitely pay extra because, you know, you're the size of three people. You'd have to pay for multiple tickets. And the last thing, a little message to the new people on my friends list. I've noted that a bunch of you have tried to get to talk to me on Messenger. Sorry, but I reserved Messenger for people I actually know and have known for a while. I will not be answering your messages. Maybe in a few years if you comment on my post. Just making you aware. No one cares. I'm sure it's all fucking spam. Let's see here. And he gets a, he actually gets a response. I find even if I've known someone a while, Messenger is where the narcissism really comes out. I don't mean you. I literally mean people who demand that I become brainwashed like them. Willie says, understood. Uh, yeah. Well, hold on. That click right there was me being a dumb shit and not turning off my notification. No. So I'm going to do that right now. All right. Here we go. Uh, yeah, that's where the narcissism comes up because that's where I actually met Willie. And uh, I think personally he's getting a bunch of spam requests. And I think he's also afraid that he might be dumb enough to reveal some type of information like he did with me and his love for Kathleen. Alright, I just thought that was going to be kind of a little interesting thing. I'll save these every once in a while, depending on how long in between I read these fucking books. Now, let's get back to the book. I am doing chapter 6. I am on page 36 of 119. Fuck my life. If I remember, let's see, let's scroll back. The hunter killed a family with a shotgun, because that's what Jason does. And then now everybody is telling the story of, let's see here, Mrs. Voorhees and all this and that. And then the last episode, last chapter stopped with uh, something was behind somebody, someone's coming, blah, blah, blah. All right. Chapter six, a warning. And like I said, I'm going to read this as it is written. There, Paul cried. 
He was pointing up at the woods behind the tiny station. For the first time, Carly saw that a narrow path led up to the hill. At the top of the hill, the there's no there's no comma. The top of the hill, the roof of a cottage peeked out through the thick of the trees. And coming down the path, moving in and out of the leaves and shadows, was a large man in blue overalls. You're seeing things, Boone told Paul with a sneer. Oh yeah? Well, I'm seeing them too, Albert said. He took a few skittering steps backwards, getting ready to make a run. Hold on. Getting ready to make a run for it. Carly felt like doing the same, but held her ground. The stranger emerged from the woods at the base of the path. Howdy, folks. He was a chunky man named William. <laughs> he was a chunky man, looking about looking about 50, like William, with a crew cut and a bland, easy smile across his wide fucking face, like William. Let me guess. You're looking for Jason Voorhees, right? The mention of the name, Carly felt her mouth go dry. Privately, she'd been sure Boone and Paul were just teasing. Until now. Yep. That's what I says to myself when I sees you pull in. The man explained, his eyes twinkling merrily. I says, Ned, there's more of them crazy thrill seekers want to catch a glimpse of the world's greatest monster. Well, you're too late, my friends. You won't find Jason Voorhees. Not around here anyway. Boy's dead. I'm heartbroken, mumbled Albert. Yes, sir, said the man. Dead and gone. And good riddance to him, I say. Why, do you have... Jesus fucking Christ. Why, do you have any idea what that crazy boy did for business around these parts? Killed it. That's what. Killed it just as sure as he stabbed and killed all those nice young teenagers. Stabbed our business right through the heart. Fucking stupid. Uh, Boone, Albert began, maybe we should. I mean, the man interrupted, who in the right minds would live around here now? Did you ever think about that? After all the blood that's been shed in Crystal Lake, no one, that's who... The only people who live around here nowadays are people who've got no choice. People like me. People who don't have money to move. People like me and my sweet old ma. Oh, shit. I, rem I remember this chapter. Okay. All right. Yeah, I remember this char character. You didn't think Willie ripped off people before. You're going to find out now. The man stepped forward abruptly. Albert took a corresponding giant step backward. The man laughed. He held out a large, meaty hand for anyone to shake. No one did. Name's Varner. Ned Varner. This here's my gas station. So a hillbilly who uh, owns a gas station. Sounds familiar? Okay. It's very lovely, Suzanne said with a nervous smile. My think Why, thanks. Myself, I think it's a run-down piece of trash. But I sure do appreciate the compliment. Yep, I live right up there. You pointed up the hill. With my sweet old ma. Sound familiar yet? But I'm afraid you don't. I don't get too much business these days. Why, don't you know you're the first car that's driven by today? Very first car. He eyed the old assortment of vehicles. Want me to check your oil, fellas? I mean, ha <laughs> ha. It wouldn't have to do. It wouldn't do to have your cars breaking down while you're in these parts, now would it? Uh, No. Paul began. That's okay, we've... Ned Varner laughed loudly. The laugh turned into a wheeze, then a cough. I'm only joshing you. Truth is, there's nothing for you, or anyone, to be scared of anymore, and I'll tell you why. Please don't, Albert begged. You know, I feel like Albert right now. Please don't. Please don't write any more trash. But Varner went on. It'll sound crazy, 
I mean, I don't rightly believe it myself, but it's what folks say. They say Jason is in hell. Oddly enough, Carly felt a wave of relief. The man was insane. <laughs> the author was insane, she decided. But uh, <laughs> one of those backward crazies you always heard about. She could dismiss anything he said. He was, She was sure of it. The only thing they had to worry about was getting safely away from the man's gas station. She caught Boone's eyes. His face was glowing. Boone was so nutty he loved this kind of thing. That's right, Ned Varner repeated. Jason Voorhees is in hell. May he rot and burn. You see, that boy had a nasty habit of not staying dead. You can laugh all you like. No one was laughing. Why, I've done some laughing about it myself. But I've seen too much killing, too much blood. I'm not laughing anymore. That boy kept coming back from the grave, and that's the truth. Coming back and taking his revenge. <sighs> Ned looked down at the dusty ground as if he were trying to see Jason buried down there. What? Well, that's all over now, he said. He took a toothpick from behind his ear. It looked very old. Okay. And popped it in his mouth. He chewed it thoughtfully for a moment and said, The way people tell it, after his last little killing spree, Jason got sucked right down into the ground. Ned Varner made a large fist with one meaty hand. We have already known how big his hands are. And gestured it, pulling it down sharply. I mean, ripped down through the rocks and the roots as if the devil himself had him by the legs and was yanking him home. In a spot where Jason disappears, they say it's a hell's gateway or some such. Oh, fuck. A kind of doorway down to the worst evils you can imagine. And some things you couldn't even think of if you... You couldn't even think of if you tried. But here's the good news. Ah, yes, said Albert. I was wondering when you get to the good news. You mean the book is over, right? Albert looked green. Ah, more nauseated than he had in the car even. He must have read Mother's Day as well. Folks say that the gateway is shut tight now and that Jason is gone. I believe it too because things been quiet around here awful lately. Awful quiet. You may say, did. That's very quiet, Suzanne agreed. Her voice had a tremble in it. But hey, Ned Varner chuckled again, then coughed. It's better than the other way, right? I'll give you that. And who knows? Maybe there won't be any more killings. Maybe old Crystal Lake is in for some peace at last, he paused, twirling his toothpick in his mouth. Maybe, he added doubtfully. Carly clenched and unclenched her hands, trying to keep the blood flowing. She'd always consider herself a pretty level-headed person. Right now, she... Though, she felt like telling Boone to turn his bike around and lead them home. Of course, said Var Varner. If you want my opinion, there's evil in the air around this lake. If you live here too long, it gets in your blood. It gets you thinking bad things. He squinted, tilted his head to one side. Know what I mean? Okay, so this guy's fucking Ernest P. Worrell. <sighs> yeah, sure thing, Paul said to Ned with a mocking tone. Tell me something. How many times have you yourself actually seen this Jason? How many times have I seen him? Ned echoes. Still grinning that idiotic grin of his. Probably has more teeth than Willie after what I've just read. I never ever seen him. I hadn't the privilege. Of course, if I had seen him, I'd probably be dead now, wouldn't I? I'm going home, Albert said. And I'm turning off this fucking computer so I don't have to read anymore, Eric said. The man in the overalls threw back his head and laughed. I don't blame you, son. Boone, Suzanne said quickly. You wanted to get directions to the campsite, right? What? Asked Boone. Oh, yeah, we're going to do some camping at the, the Crystal Lake campgrounds. Ned Varner's eyes narrowed. You're going out there? Why, Monique said. Is there a problem? 
Ned said, there's, there's a such thing as pushing of your luck. You know what I mean? Again, Ernest P. Worrell. Here's a little warning. Don't go near the place. Demons. Ghost. No S. Ghost. Singular. So, demons. Ghost. Demons. Ghost. That sort of thing. So, only one ghost. You guys will be okay. Kyle clapped his hands together. Far out. Last year, Paul Sexton had been All-American in wrestling. Now he crossed his arms across his broad chest. He, Willie, you love yourself some Paul, don't you? So that the muscles bulged. He fucking definitely loves himself some Paul. Under the circumstances, Carly was awfully glad she was standing next to him. I wish I was Carly, William Patterson said. He stepped forward with an air of taking charge. Actually, sir, Paul said, giving the man a little smile. We just need a bathroom and maybe some old Cokes if you sell them. We don't need you to try to scare us if that's the same to you, okay? That smile never wavered. He said, son, you're absolutely right. My sweet old ma's always telling me the same thing. Says I drive the little business we still get away by talking about the murders. Here, let me open up the store. As if to wash away all the scary things that they had just heard, Paul bought a round of Cokes for the group. Oh, what a nice guy that Paul is. <laughs> they were the old-fashioned glass kind that Carly loved. After taking their money and making change, Ned Varner sat inside the shack and didn't bother them anymore. Apparently, Paul had put him in his place. But Carly could see the old man through the shack window, and she didn't like the way he kept grinning. Turned out there was a bathroom after all. Moni complained a lot, saying it wasn't clean enough for her, but she went. Paul sat on the small wooden porch of the gas station drinking his Coke. Carly dared to sit next to him. Was it her imagination, or did he move over slightly so that her, their bare legs were just touching? Oh, God. She could feel the curly blonde hairs of his leg tickling her skin. Jesus fucking Christ, Willie. Albert spent the whole time on the payphone. I had to lie to my mother, he told the group as he returned. He was frowning and sweating like this was the first time he had lied to his mom in his entire life. Carly felt a wave of sympathy for him. She knew how he felt. She still felt guilty that she hadn't told her mother about riding on Boone's motorcycle. But how could she? Mrs. McDonald was almost as scared of motorcycles as she was of cancer and serial killers? Okay. What was the lie, Paul asked. I didn't tell her any of that stuff about the death curse, said Albert. Smart move, Paul told him. He took an endless swig, draining the last of his soda, and stood up. Everyone stood up as well. Carly sensed that Paul had now become some sort of co-leader of their outing, along with Boone. Maybe it was because he told off Ned Varner. Whatever the reason, it made Carly's crush on him grow even stronger. God damn. Boone was right. The campground turned out to be ten minutes away. They drove on dirt roads now, winding through the thick woods. The road got narrower and narrower as they went deeper into no man's land. Let's see here. Oh my god, I'm not even halfway paid through this this fucking book. I'm on page 41 of 119, so if I get to page 60, I'll slowly be, I'll be halfway done. Goddamn. Anyways, then Carly spotted an old wooden sign by the sign. Then Carly, like I said, I'm reading this as he wrote it. Then Carly spotted an old wooden sign by the sign of the road. Sign of the road. S-I-G-N of the road. Not side. Fucking seven-time published author. One of those rustic signs with the letters carved out of the wood. Welcome to Camp Crystal Lake. 
From the way the sign was overgrown with plants and bushes and weeds, it didn't look like too many campers had been welcomed here for a long time. They drove into a clearing of thick overgrown grass. In front of them was a horseshoe of large wood cabins. The cabins were old, weather-beaten. Weather beaten. It had drained recently. Oh, it had, that's my bad, I read that wrong. It had rained recently. The surrounding woods looked dense and dark and sodden. There was a steady drip, drip, drip of water from leaves. It scared Carly to think they were standing at the scene of a famous crime. She tried to push through from, push the thought from her mind. This is fantastic, Kyle gushed as he hopped out of the van. We have this whole place to ourselves, Suzanne asked. Wow! Those two, they had probably already forgotten about the killings, Carly thought. You haven't seen half of it, Boone said proudly as they started to unload their backpacks, bags, and supplies from the bike and two cars. Camp goes on and on. There are all these other cabins farther back in the woods. It's nice, Carly said, lying. She smiled at Boone. She couldn't stay mad at him for long. Boone yodeled. <laughs> His voice echoed in the woods. We're going to have a little blast. Could someone remind me what poison ivy looks like, Albert said. He was bending over to study the grass. It's airborne, Paul said. If you don't want to get it, stop breathing. Wah, wah. So what do we do now, Monique asked with that little pout of hers. Step one, Boone said, raising a finger in the air. We pick cabins. You know, settle in. Step two, I give you a guided tour of Boone's amazing camp and party center. Step three, a campfire cookout complete with, and he pulled out a red and white cooler he had loaded into Kyle's van, Brewski. There were cheers. Not for me. Uh, Paul, which cabin should we take? It was Albert. He was holding Paul's elbow. Listen, Al, he said, pulling his arm free. I kind of want my privacy, you know, commune with nature. I think I'm going to pick one of the cabins that's off the woods, off in the woods a little. Paul thought Carly's eye, caught Carly's eye and winked. Carly's knees went all trembly. Fuck off, Willie. Maybe Paul didn't really plan on being alone after all. Oh, sure, sure, whatever, Albert said, looking totally hurt. Monique was wrestling with her big blue backpack. Here, Paul said, let me give you a hand. He reached into the trunk and lifted out the pack. Even he grunted under the load. Wow, he said. What do you have in here, bricks? Just a few items, Monique said. He was brushing her strawberry blonde hair from her eyes and then let it drop right back again. Paul fitted the pack into onto her back. He gripped her shoulders as if to steady her, but he held onto her shoulder for a while. Carly tried not to stare, but she couldn't help it as Paul gave Monique's shoulders a quick massage. She felt jealous and confused. What was the deal here? Was she misreading the signals, or was Paul making a play for both of them? God damn, Willie, you really do love this Paul guy, don't you? Y'all set, Paul asked. Thank you, yes, the French girl said. And she tottered off, heading for the nearest cabin. Uh, Paul turned and saw Carly staring at him. He grinned so broadly that Carly felt instantly better. There was a loud creak as Monique pulled open the cabin's rusty screen door. The sound was loud and, loud and ominous. Uh, where was I? Okay, Carly turned just in time to see Monique disappear inside the dark open doorway. For a moment, silence, and then there was the most blood-curdling scream Carly ever heard in her life. Standing in front of them was a naked William Patterson. I'm just kidding. That is the end of chapter six. 
<sighs> Let's see here. Well, we'll go on to chapter seven. How about that? Chapter seven. A suite at the Waldorf. Fuck me. Suzanne was the closest to the cabin. She started running, which wasn't easy with her backpack on. Carly was running too. So was everyone. And then the screaming stopped. Suzanne charged through the open doorway. Carly barreled in after her. It was a dingy cabin filled with cobwebs and the smell of mildewed wood. Three bunk beds, all metal, bare, and prison-like, glinted silver in the dim darkness. Now, you notice he writes, William does, as like a fifth grader. They taught me this in fifth grade to be as descriptive as possible. Like, but, and then, like I said, as a fifth grader, you know you're, how you're overly descriptive. Everything has to have a certain color, a certain shape. This is, this is how he writes, like a fucking fifth grader. All right. As her eyes adjusted to the gloom, Carly saw Monique huddled in the far corner, one hand over her mouth, her eyes wide in terror. Let me guess it's going to be a fucking spider or something. What? shrieked Suzanne. What is it? Monique didn't answer, only pointed. In a flash, a few terrifying thoughts rushed through Carly's mind. Monique was even pointed to the other side of the cabin, the side Carly hadn't even looked yet. And that meant that whatever was making Monique scream was now right behind her. Fuck you. She whirled, bumped into Suzanne, whose backpack went crashing into one of the bunks. Suzanne staggered, lost her balance, and then fell over in a heap, her arms and legs all seeming to fly in different directions. Just as Kyle rushed in. What? He breathed. He was followed by Boone, then Paul. The three big guys crowded in the doorway. They all stared at the empty cabin, puzzled. What are you doing on the ground, Suze? Kyle asked finally. Suzanne sat up. Don't ask. Carly was beginning to feel foolish. Uh, Monique, Boone asked. That wasn't you I heard screaming by any chance now, was it? Monique took her hand away from her mouth at last. Look at this cabin, she said. It is absolute filth. You expect me to sleep here? Okay, no spider. Just a dirty cabin. Whoop-de-doo, yeah. Very scary, Willie. <sighs> Paul shook his head in amazement and then whistled. That's why you screamed? Kyle helped Suzanne up off the floor and brushed off her back. Oh, now, Suzanne said. Don't pick on her, Boone. That's okay, Monique. She told the French girl, I know just how you feel. I used to be very uptight about the country, too, before Kyle turned me on to outdoor living, you know. Wait till you'll see. By Sunday, you won't want to leave. I'm leaving right now, Monique said, heading for the door. Boone blocked the doorway. How are you going to get home, he was smirking. You driving me, Monique said to Boone in tears. Boone shook his head, grinning. What do you expect, Monique? Paul asked. A suite at the Waldorf? Aha, uh -huh, yeah, there's the, there's the title of the cat chapter. Sure enough, Monique started crying. There's not even a place to plug in my blow dryer. Aw, oh, Boone said. It is a nightmare. Stop it. Don't tease her anymore, Carly said. She put a protective arm around Monique. The girl might be totally spoiled, but Carly could never stand to see anyone cry. Don't worry, Monique, he told her. If you want to go home, you can go home, even if I have to drive you myself. She felt good saying it, but was also wondering about her true motives. Did she want to get rid of Monique? Was she trying to chicken out of this situation herself? Thank you, Monique. Sniffed. Not sniffled. Sniffed. Thank you, Monique. Sniffed. Kyle was tugging Suzanne's hand. Come on, he said. Let's go find a cabin. Carly's head jerked up in surprise. It hadn't occurred to her until that moment that she and Suzanne wouldn't be bunked together. It made sense that they wouldn't. It just hadn't occurred to her. She reddened. Wait, Suzanne said. She looked at Carly. Is that okay with you? 
At least she asked. It made Carly like Suzanne all over again. Sure, she answered with a grin. To Monique, she added, well, that leaves us two. How about you and me share this cabin? You watch. We'll clean it up a little. Put some of our stuff out. It'll start to look homey. <sighs> Monique nodded glumly. Thanks to her tears, her mascara had smeared, making her look like a sad raccoon. <sighs> but even she was so... But she was so pretty, even messed up makeup only made her look even more glamorous. Oh, fuck, Jesus Christ. Hey, guys, a high voice called from far outside the cabin. What's going on here? Is the coast clear or what? Albert. Carly had forgotten all about him. We're all dead, Paul called back. Come on, seriously, Albert whined. Don't tease me. Is Oh, my God. Everyone looked at one another. But this time, there were smiles. What's the matter, Albert? Boone called. Can't find a phone? Monique put a hand over her mouth as she giggled. No, there's this worm. You should see it. Totally white and fat. It's a willy worm. I've never seen anything like it. <sighs> Sounds like he's looking in the mirror. Yep, Willy Worm. <sighs> Boone muttered for the benefit of everyone in the cabin. Listen, Monique, said Suzanne. Maybe later tonight I'll teach you some yoga breathing. It'll really relax you. She followed Kyle out the door. Kyle, Boone called after them. I'm going to give a grand tour in a few minutes. Don't go too far. Okie doke. <sighs> after that, I need a hand gathering some firewood, okay? You got it, Kyle called. But 20 minutes later, Kyle and Suzanne had not returned. Still had not returned. Okay. That's a short chapter, thank God. But I'm on page 46 of 119. Should I read chapter 8? Let's see here. Okay, it doesn't seem too terribly long. I'm sure it's dumb and fucking stupid, but... We'll end this episode with chapter 8. The Campfire. Over each cabin door hung a carved wooden nameplate. This is, as you can see, Boone pointed, is Cabin 6. Beautiful name, joked Albert. I don't like this place, Monique complained, as Boone led them down another trail. So I gathered, Monique, Boone said. So I gathered. <sighs> hey, Carly, said Paul, who was walking behind her. Carly stopped. The woods are so alive, aren't they? Paul asked. Just listen. They both listened. Again, fifth grade descriptions. If she were back in Newkirk right now, she'd be hearing the hum of as the streetlights came on. Here, Carly could hear, hear all these rattling sounds and chirpings and cheepings and peepings and buzzings. Yeah. Chirpings and cheepings and peepings and buzzings. Fuck you, Willie. All around them, there, there were living things. It was a great feeling. It was also a great feeling to have Paul standing so close to her, while the group went ahead. Will you just fuck him already, William? And then suddenly, she was going. She knew he was going to kiss her. It was as if that went, they, they went into slow motion. Their eyes locked. Sure enough, his head started to move towards her. She was too shocked to move. Her eyes widened. Oh, there you are, Albert said. Carly's head jerked toward the sound. So did Paul. Please, guys, begged the chubby, the chubby teenager. Don't fall behind like that again. It scares me. I thought you disappeared. If looks could kill, you would die by looking at Willie's face. If looks could kill, the look Paul was giving Albert just then would have done the trick. But Albert didn't seem to notice. He turned and started back down the trail. They followed. Carly was in a daze. She never thought she'd want to kiss someone she just met. But she did. 
Up ahead, Boone was standing by a large brown shack raised up on cinder blocks with a boiler and pipes and things attached to the outside. And this, Boone said, is the girl's outhouse. I'm not using this, Monique insisted as they filed inside. I'll hold it the whole trip. That's all. The smell in the bathroom was awful, just like Willie's bedroom. <laughs> not just the usual stale bathroom smells. There's something else in the air, something human and rotting, like Willie. The lights didn't work, of course. There was no electricity in any of the cabins. Then Albert tried one of the spigots. No water, no sound, no nothing. No t writing talent either. Boone said, There's no water. No, Boone, he said. There's no water. Of course there's no water, Boone said. Albert looked panicked. Well, what are we going to do for water? Boone shrugged and smiled. Who needs water when we have beer? Boone, Monique said, I hate you, you know. What made you think this was a good place to stay? Boone, I'm afraid I have to agree with her, Paul said. I'll second that motion, said Albert. Boone shook his head slowly. Carly could tell he was starting to get mad. What's the matter with you guys, he said, his eyes flashing. I mean, what kind of sissies are you? Very big sissies, said Albert. Look, Boone went on, his jaw tight. Last weekend, my sister Kelly and I hiked all over this area. We only ate what we could catch, okay? We slept on the ground. When we found this spot, we went crazy. This is a great camping spot. You guys are just so spoiled, it's unbelievable. With that, he stopped past them and banged out, banged out the outhouse door. Banged out the outhouse door? What? Does that mean they were all in the outhouse? Okay. Everyone looked at one another, feeling a little guilty and not knowing what to do. Even though he still looked mad, it was a relief when Boone reopened the screen door and stuck his head back inside. Now I need help with the campfire, he said tersely. Tersely? What the fuck does tersely mean? Oh, anyways, now. The campfire was a circle of stones in a small circular clearing about a hundred yards in back of the main cabins. Jesus. Monique tagged after... Monique tagged after Boone as he lugged charcoals and other equipment out of the van. She didn't seem to be helping him exactly, just trailing along. Carly and Paul both gathered firewood and stuck as close to each other as they could. Unfortunately, Albert stuck close to both of them. They had a lot of trouble finding wood that wasn't soggy, but Boone still got the campfire burning beautifully. Man, seriously. Fucking fuck Boone already, Willie. Its orange light blazed brightly in the fast-falling dusk, and once the first batch of burgers started sizzling on the grill, everyone's spirits began to improve, with the exception of Albert. I wonder where Kyle and Suzanne are, he said, fidgeting nervously. I know where they are, Boone said. He looked at Paul. Like bunnies, they both said in Uden. This is where it freeze frames like as a stupid fucking sitcom. Like bunnies, da 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 They both said in unison. They both laughed and high-fived. Yep, see, fucking sitcom. Suddenly, Albert stood up. I hear someone, he said, looking panic-stricken. They all listened. Sure enough, there were footsteps approaching, crunching through the brush. Uh-oh, Boone said, pretending to be scared. It's Jason. The footsteps kept coming. You think it's Kyle and Suzanne, Albert asked. His right eye twitched. Duh, said Paul. Just then, out of the woods came Kyle and Suzanne. Ah. Sorry, Kyle said sheepishly. I guess we lost track of the time a little bit. The two of them looked happy and rumpled. Carly suspected Boone and Paul were right about what they'd been up to. 
They've been fucking. We get it, Willie. The first batch of burgers tasted every bit as good as they smelled. Again. See, William knows how to write about this. <laughs> One thing. Food. Then Boone opened up the cooler and started passing out the beers. Soon everyone was drinking. Even Albert. Two spaces in between even and Albert. Carly's head began to throb. Isn't there any diet soda? She asked, peering into the cooler. Whoops, Boone said. I forgot to bring Carly's chocolate milk. He slapped his thigh and hooted. Then Paul shook up a beer and tried to open it so it sprayed Boone. Soon the two of them were running around the campfire like five-year-olds, trying to spray each other. Ooh, water fight! Water fight! They both kept warning each other not to waste the precious beer. Then, two spaces, they, would both attack each other all over again. This is so fucking stupid. As far as Carly was concerned, she wished they would waste all the precious beer. This was the one thing her mother truly didn't need to worry about. Carly becoming an alcoholic. The one time she had tasted beer, two spaces in between had and tasted, she had spit it out. Well, she couldn't just stand there, looking at the cooler forever. Finally, she took out one cold can. It was really tall, like a can of tennis balls. She popped the top. You could have just said a fucking tall boy, Willie. She popped the top and took her first sip. But then again, I this is for this is a kid's book. Or young adult, whatever. Whatever. Excuse me. She popped the top and took her first sip. She tried not to twist her mouth. She tried not to twist her mouth into too much of a grimace. At least the way she imagined horse piss would taste like, oh my god. I know, Suzanne told her sympathetically. It tastes awful at first, but after a while, you get a little drunk and the taste goes away. Terrific, Carly said. I have something to look forward to. Her poor mother would die if she knew she was doing this. Poor mother would die if she knew she was a character in Mother's Day. Suzanne was right. By the time she was halfway through the can, the taste didn't seem quite so bad anymore. Boone started serving up more food. It must have been the country air. Carly ate two burgers and a hot dog. And by the time they started roasting marshmallows, she had had... <sighs> by the time they started roasting marshmallows, she had had, for her first time in her life, three beers! Her head was spinning. It felt good and it felt awful, both at the same time. Members of the group kept wandering off in the woods to pee. But Carly was afraid to get up, afraid she'd start staggering around and embarrass herself. Well, this is good, she decided. She had always wondered how it felt to be tipsy. Now she knew, and she didn't have to drink this awful stuff ever again. I've always wondered. I think there's definitely... But William definitely has a problem with alcoholics. I don't know too much into his, I guess you would say, life growing up. But he's definitely anti-alcohol. By now, everyone was getting pretty rowdy. Boone and Monique were draped all over each other. So were Kyle and Suzanne. Hey, Monique, said Monique. I've got a game. Everyone has to tell a secret. Oh, God, Willie. There were shouts of protest. Then Boone said, you first, Monique. Monique chewed on a tip of her strawberry blonde hair and lowered her eyes coyly. My last boyfriend, Jean-Claude, right before I left together, right before I left Paris, we sleep together. I'm stunned, Boone said. You? Boone stood up. He smiled at Carly. The way he was smiling made her very uneasy. My secret, he said, is that I lied to Carly's mom. There were oohs and ahs from the group. 
Crowley felt her face turn bright red. When I called her, I pretended to be Mr. Petrini. Petrini was Parker High social studies teacher. So that was how Boone had gotten permission for Carly to join them. Boone was laughing in sheer delight at the memory. I told her that I was coming on the trip as a supervisor. She kept saying, oh, Mr. Petrini, it's such a relief. Everyone was hysterical. Carly hated the thought of anyone lying to her mother. Everyone laughed at her. Mother's expense. That was more than she could bear. She jumped to her feet. Boone, you are such a total jerk. How dare you do that? I mean, just who do you think you are? I'm your fairy godmother, Boone said serenely. I'm trying to show you a good time. Fucking stupid. Uh, Carly paced around the fire. <laughs> this was a dumb idea. Why am I... <sighs> Carly paced around the fire. She felt like stalking off into the woods. But where would she go? Paul stood up and grabbed her hand. Come on, he told her in a low voice. Forget it, he's a jerk. What can you do? You're here now. Carly began to calm down. Paul was right. Right now, she didn't have too many options. It's nothing compared to the lies, he tells me, Monique told her. He say this is hotel. Everyone laughed, but no one laughed harder than Boone. Carly felt like punching him, and I feel like punching Willie. Paul kept smiling at her in the darkness. Come on, he said. Sit back down. His stunning blue eyes twinkled in the firelight. Oh, my God. Who do you want to fuck more, Boone or Paul, Willie? She sat. It was pitch dark now, except for the glowing red embers and small flickers of a dying campfire. There's still enough smoke to keep off the mosquitoes. Kyle was tuning up his guitar. He started playing his favorite tunes, The Doors, Beatles, and Stones. Do you know anything current, Boone said? That stuff is so dead. It's the best, Kyle said with an easy smile, and he kept playing softly. They all huddled in a closer circle around the flame. It just got to feel... It Hold on. It wasn't just to feel the fire's heat, thought Carly. The air had gotten only slightly cooler. No... It was the coming of darkness. They were all getting a little scared. So, Boone said, I might as well tell you why I brought you all up here. Ugh. He took his marshmallow stick, raised it high over his head, and brought it down fast, aiming right at Albert. Albert screamed at the top of his lungs. Monique screamed too, probably because Albert screamed. Then everyone laughed. Carly was still pretty mad. Very mature, she said. Does that make you feel real strong and macho? Very. Boone agreed, laughing. Then his face got very serious again. Listen, you know there's a fucking fan-made movie of this? Fuck. Maybe, you know what? Maybe I'll review it on my channel. Listen, there's something else I've got to tell you about those murders. Kyle stopped plucking his guitar mid-chord. Do you want to tell him or should I? Boone asked Paul. Boone, how many fucking pages? Okay, thank God. One, two, three pages left. a dumb idea but i'm stuck doing it now boone i don't think paul paul protested boone monique said don't start the scary business or i get angry okay okay boone said pardonnez-moi i don't i wonder if he spelled that right if you don't want to know you don't want to know he only had a few seconds before everyone insisted that he tell he lowered his voice remember jason the boy that drowned the ring of teenage faces staring back at him rapt r-a-p-t don't know what that means. Carly was mad at herself for even listening, but she couldn't help it. Well, whenever Jason comes back, you know, he comes back from the dead. His face is rotted and bloated like William Patterson after all those years in the water. 
so he wears this white hockey mask to cover it up, and Boone raised his marshmallow stick again, very slowly. All eyes were glued to him. Before he could bring the stick slashing down again, Carly started laughing. What's so funny? Albert asked her, amazed. You think this is funny? Carly laughed even harder. Maybe it was the beer, but she wasn't scared anymore. All the fear had just floated away like a mist. And after the way Boone had made fun of her mom, it felt awfully good to laugh at him. Oh, Boone, she said. I'm sorry, but it is the best you can do. A bloated face with a hockey mask. You were scared, Boone said, annoyed. Don't kid yourself. Carly didn't answer. She was laughing again. And now everyone began to join in. Everyone except Albert. Suddenly, the pudgy boy jumped to his feet and yelped. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Everyone shut up. What is? Monique asked, her pretty button eyes showing more fear. Yay, two more pages. Beads of sweat were already popping out all over Albert's round moon face. Okay. I, I heard something, every, someone. Okay. I, I heard something, someone coming towards us. Everyone listened hard. There were plenty of sounds from the encircling forest, but nothing that sounded like footsteps. Albert, Boone said, don't you want to live to be 19? Try and relax a little. He's right, man, Kyle agreed. Go with the flow. I'm trying, Albert promised. But I heard something, I'm telling you. And I don't know, he sat down slowly. Get this creepy feeling, the way we're just sitting here. Like we're just being watched, you know? Boone, Paul said. Did you remember to pack the straitjacket? He slapped his thigh at his own joke. I'm serious, Albert insisted. It's like we're shark bait or something. I feel like there's something out there, you know? Slowly circling around us, waiting for a chance to strike. Maybe it's your mother, Boone suggested, cracking up. Yeah, she's mad you're not going to be around on Mother's Day, Paul chimed in. And she wants revenge. That started everyone laughing again, which meant everyone relaxed. In the midst of the laughter, Carly suddenly realized she couldn't put off that bathroom trip any longer. She got to her feet. Be right back, she mumbled. Then, with an extra care as not to appear drunk, she went off through the woods to pee. It's lucky the direction she chose, walking east from the campfire. Because if she had gone the other way, she might have met him face to face. Twenty yards away, on the other side of the campfire, hidden in the dark woods, the hunter stood, watching a small group of teenagers. Under one arm, he was holding the heavy cardboard box. His other hand, the one with the four fingers, was closed tightly around his gun. He was breathing heavily through his mask. I don't remember why he has four fingers, if he was a freak or something, but that's it. I'm not reading any more of this fucking trash. I have been, let's see, how long have I been recording? Uh, 46 minutes. Fucking way too long to be reading this garbage. What? Like I said, I, I dug my grave. I'm going to lie in it. I'm going to finish this fucking book. I'm going to end up reading at least The Mask of Jason Voorhees and doing a review of Symphony of Death. But right now, I'm going to go draw myself in some pizza because this was awful. Thank you for listening. Feeling my pain. Fuck you, Willie. Learn how to write. God bless anyone who tries to actually fucking read this shit themselves. I'm out. Cheers.